Welcome to Point with Daryl Jones, speaker and lead pastor of the Rock Fellowship Church in Miami, Florida, and president of Point Ministries. Our goal at Point Ministries is to point you to the Word of God, where Jesus is the point. Today's message is from the series, Ordinary People, Extraordinary Experiences, where Dr. Jones teaches how God uses everyday normal people to accomplish amazing things for the kingdom of God. Now let's join them for today's message. Well, I'm gonna invite you to turn with me to Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16 and just hold right there. I'm gonna let you get there first, Romans 16, and we're gonna dive into our passage in just a second. Romans chapter 16. It says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church in Kincrea. So you should welcome her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and assist her in whatever matter she may require of your help. For indeed, she has been a benefactor of many and of me also. Today's title is Verified faithfulness, verified faithfulness. And why do we say this? Because this letter, this letter is a robust letter of Paul. There are, some have looked at it like it's this theological treatise. There are themes wrapped all in here from the gospel that, that, that create a tapestry. Meaning you can't talk about systematic theology or biblical theology or any kind of Christian doctrine and ignore the book of Romans. The book of Romans is what that is. It is what that is. It is a heavyweight epistle that is worthy of study and memorizing as much as you can. It is that type of epistle. So it's a support letter he's writing. And in a support letter, he's letting them know like, hey, I know you, you probably heard in the reputation. He's laying out the gospel he preaches and he's laying out all this heavy theology in there so that they know they belong together, that they are family. And the major theme he weaves throughout this whole letter is that there is one people of God and it is those who are united by faith in Jesus Christ. But the major theme he's weaving throughout is this one people of God and he's writing a support letter and he sends it to the Roman Christians by a woman named Phoebe. And what he does so that they may know who she is, that they may receive her properly, that they may understand and make the connection with him and her is that here in these two verses, he writes what's called a commendation of Phoebe. It's a letter of commendation for Phoebe. This is exactly what the apostle Paul is doing for this woman named Phoebe. And she is the letter carrier bringing it to Rome so that they may read. And maybe, I don't know how much they knew. Paul didn't know he was writing an authoritative text. He did understand that's what he was doing. I'm not quite sure how much they knew of how this letter would ring into eternity. But she delivers this letter. And there's some things that we find out about this woman of God. One, we find out one, she's a woman. Two, she's an outsider. She's not even from Rome. She's not someone who was out 
you know, visiting or out traveling and has come back to Rome. She is a foreigner. They don't know her. She's from a whole nother city. She's from Corinth, from Kincrea. She's an outsider. So it's important that the Apostle Paul gives this commendation so that they know she can be trusted and we can trust this letter that she's brought. Like, this is a real deal. This is not some forgery. Because there were circulations of forgeries and people that didn't write stuff, but people were saying they wrote it. That, that was a it's record of that a little later than this letter. But this was a practice to let, hey, this is the real deal and she's the real deal. Trust her. She's an outsider. She's a foreigner. And notice this. She, she, she's a Gentile. She has a pagan name. So she's actually a little closer to the bulk of the Roman church because the majority of the Roman church were Gentile Christians also unified with Jewish Christians. And this is what the Apostle Paul does, and he leads this. He wants them to know that she's our sister. They're strong words, y'all. They're strong words. But Paul didn't even use it like that. He's letting them know, like, hey, no, she is our sister, meaning she is a female committed follower of Christ. She is a believer. She is your sister. This is one thing I love to always share with us, and that's this. You and I who have placed faith in Jesus Christ have been individually saved to be part of an eternal family. So there are people you haven't even met yet that actually, they are not like sisters. They are not like brothers. They are your sister they are your brother and he leads off with this and he says i commend to you our sister phoebe phoebe is such that he's put her name his name on her paul has put his name on phoebe he was like look i'm the apostle paul called by god called by jesus christ filled with the holy spirit i commend to you our sister phoebe it's huge. This woman of God is entrusted in such a way to bring this important letter to the believers in Rome. And it's not just because she is a fellow Christian. It's not just because she's a sister. But Paul references in these two verses of her faithfulness. Phoebe's faithfulness is important. See, we're talking about verify faithfulness Paul is verifying her faithfulness so that the church know how to receive her as she's brought this important letter and this is important Remember we talked about you know when you get a job they, they want recommendation letters right now also you know what jobs want they want your resume they want to see what have you done what are you about what's your education what's your work history what are your skills and talents you know, they want to see those things. They want to see a resume. He gives this little brief resume to the believers in Rome that I believe is important when it comes to this woman, Phoebe, who is a woman of God serving the Lord. And he uses two other terms beside sister. Sister's important. I, it's for somebody to call you a sister in Christ, man, it, it, it's almost no greater enduring term. But he uses two other terms. He uses a term that I'm going to use the Greek phrase because it can be translated many ways in English. But he uses a term diakonos. And then he uses another term patron. 
Now this, this, this is a big deal because people are struggling. Okay, when he calls her a diakonos, what is he saying? Is she just a servant minister? Is she a deacon or is she a courier? And all these terms are in the semantic range of this word diakonos. So you got to look at, you know, contextually how he uses this even throughout the New Testament. It's interesting when we see the word diakonos, it, 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 it is basic meaning it means servant. Now, it's not slave. It's not bond servant. It's, it's a servant, meaning it's someone who is voluntarily serving to get a job done, to get tasks done. It's a selflessness. They don't have to, but they willingly do. And this is big because this is the character of Jesus Christ. You know, this, this is something that we are taught to model. So this is a, this is a very important uh, phrase. This is a very important word that's being used. She is, she, is she just being called a, a servant here? And it says, she, you know, she, she's a servant from Kincrea, the one that's in, you know, he's a servant from the church in Kincrea. So it's letting know where she's from. She's from this city. She's a servant there. Or is it minister? Now, minister, in his basic term, it's not, I don't want to say Anachronistic, anachronistic, read it into the text, meaning I don't want us to look at how we use the word minister today and then put that onto the text. Minister, just another word for servant. Serve. Sometimes in our vernacular and in church structures, we use the word minister, and that sometimes, depending on what, 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 what tradition you're in, depending on what denomination you're in, minister can just mean servant. Minister can also mean a, 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 a preacher. You know, like right under the pastor. You know, we use that word a lot of different ways. But biblically, new, first century New Testament, it's, it's minister, servant. It also means, contextually, it's a word that also used for deacon. Now, in the New Testament church, we do see that there were two offices. There were, there were three groups. You had one group carrying many different names. The first group, the leadership of the church was pastor. Elder, bishop, overseer. All those mean the same thing. Sometimes you even see shepherd. You translate pastor as shepherd. Shepherd, pastor, bishop, overseer, elder. All the same office. Different terms, kind of giving a little nuance to kind of how those function, but same office. Then you had the office, third one, we would say saints. The saints, that's all the believers. We see this in the New Testament. And then you got the one right under the, the, the pastor, elder, deacon, bishop, overseer. Right in between there is the deacon. Now, the deacon office we see spelled out in uh, 1 Timothy in chapter 3. And the deacon's role is very similar to the overseer, the bishop, the pastor. Very similar. The only really major difference in the two is that the, the deacon, the character, and the characteristics are the same except for the able to teach. The teaching role was for the pastor, the bishop, overseer. The deacon role was not that. So when you talk about the formal office, if you're talking about the formal office, the teaching, instructional, Doctrinal teaching, theology, all that belonged to the pastor, elder, shepherd, overseer, bishop, belonged to that role in the church. And the deacon role was to make sure that the ministry, that all the service, everything went as it should and everybody had what they need. Those are the particular roles. So the question is, was she a deacon at the church in Kincrea? More from Dr. Jones in a moment. But first, during this month, you can request 
your MP3 download of the sermon series, Forever Family, with your donation to the ministry. This is a great resource where Dr. Jones teaches how believers do not relate to one another like family, but we are truly family in Christ Jesus. Go to daryljones.org, that's D-A-R-Y-L jones.org, to give and request your copy today. Now let's rejoin Dr. Jones for the rest of today's message. Well, there's also a way that this word is used in ancient Greek and in the New Testament as well as courier, meaning literally the, the one who's bringing the letter. And there are scholars that show it, this is a word used there, and Paul uses the same term for Tychicus in Colossians and Ephesians because Tychicus was the letter carrier to the Colossian church and the letter carrier to the Ephesian church. So this is a term that Paul has already, that, you, that he uses when it comes to letter carriers. Why do I say this? Because while Phoebe Goodwill could be a deacon from her church, one thing we do know too is she is the letter carrier and the apostle Paul uses the very term used for letter carriers here. Now, it's not, this is not to be uh, diminished as some kind of lesser role, like, oh, she can't be a deacon, she be a letter carrier, she's just a mailman. No, this was a very important function because to be entrusted with such a work was seen to be you are faithful, you are diligent, you are competent, you are capable, and they were delivering something very serious. How much more important is when he's bringing to the Roman church the very word of God and he's entrusted this woman who has shown herself faithful to fulfill the task. She brings this vitally important document so that the believers in Rome can be built up in the faith, instructed in the Lord by the Holy Spirit-filled Apostle Paul. What an honor. What a blessed way to serve. But check this out. Notice that she's mentioned and nobody else in her party is mentioned. The distance that she had to travel, it wasn't like she was just going to the next town. This is a long distance. These gives us some clues to what kind of means this woman of God may have had. That she's traveled this long distance to bring this letter and she alone is mentioned in the commendation. No one else in her party. This suggests when it comes to where she may have been in society. And what gives us even more clues to where she is is something else Paul says right at the end of verse 2. He calls her a patron or what translated in the verse that we read, the version we read is benefactor. He says, for indeed she has been a benefactor of many and of me also. I was tripping because when I was translating this, it's like real phatic in the end. He's like, she was a benefactor of me, myself. You know, he's like, it's like he puts this emphasis on like, like she took care of me. Now, when you look at benefactor, I love the word because it, we understand this. You know, you had this patronage type of system back then where they would 
take care of people. They would fund things. Some of it may be civic. Some of it may be personal. But these were people of means, of high status, of high stature. This is very important because one of the things that we see in the New Testament itself that goes against much of what I'm just going to call it like it is, much of the 19th century liberal scholarship that came out that tried to paint this picture of women in first century in these cultures that we're looking in the ancient Near East and in Greek Roman culture as though they were just these downtrodden, subservient, second-class citizens. That is not always the case. It depends on what culture, what town, what area. There was, it wasn't monolithic. And one of the things that we see in the New Testament that there were leading women in these cities. We see women owning businesses. We see even in 1 Corinthians, he's referred to, he got news from Corinth from someone in Chloe's house. That means that she ran a household. She had servants. She had commerce. She had business. We see even when it came to Jewish Christians, when Peter was broken out of jail by an angel, where did he go? He went to Mary's house. John Mark, the writer of the Gospel of Mark, his mother had her own house and it was big enough to hold services, prayer services and worship. I say this because even here we see this woman, Phoebe, who is a servant, who serves the Lord, who's been entrusted with an important role in taking the word of God to these people. She does so as a woman of means and who puts her money where her faith is. Why do I say that? She's a benefactor of many and Paul. That is a way of saying she's funding the ministry. She has means and she's using her means to expand the kingdom of God. And she's not just cutting checks, she's involved. So she's cutting checks and she's taking the word of God on. She is fully committed. You know why that's a big deal? Because we are receiving an example of a commitment to Christ that is mind-boggling. And it makes me ask the question of myself and of you. What do you have? What have you been given charge of? What has God blessed you with and how are you using it for the advancement of the kingdom of God? Are you all in? If God has blessed you with abundance, more than you need, how are you using it for the glory of God? Or are you using it for your own pleasures? If you have talent and skills, she's traveling. If you are able to travel from coast to coast all over the world, how are you using your travel opportunities for the advancement of the kingdom of God? If you have people serving under you, how are you using those people? How are you pouring into those people? What kind of example are you setting for the advancement of the kingdom of God? And notice, it's, it's not that she's, it's, a lot of times we think, oh, I can't serve if I'm not the pastor. I got to be the preacher. That is not what she's doing. Remember I said, I gave a restaurant example. A lot of different functions. And no one is more important than the other. It's all needed in this grand tapestry and all that God is doing. She is faithful for what she has. He says she's taking care of many. Bunch of folks serving in ministry. She's making sure it's getting done. 
She has the means, she has the abundance, she has the clout, she has the status, she has the money, she has the time, and she's using it for the glory of God. What do you have? How are you using it? But we follow Phoebe's example of using what we have, maximizing it to the glory of God. Well, there's a reason for all of this, too. There's a reason that he says all of this. There's a purpose of Phoebe's commendation. Oh, family, there's a reason that he, that he says all this. He's like, yeah, she brought the letter. I want you to know who this woman is that brought this letter. I want you to see how this letter has ministered to you, that you understand who the people of God, that you understand the gospel that I preach. So says the Apostle Paul. So when I come, you may receive me, support me as I continue to take the gospel to Spain. All that's in that letter. And he says, I'm letting y'all know who she is so that I want y'all to receive her in a manner worthy of the saints. He doesn't say in a manner worthy of some leader. Like I said, likely right here, he's not talking about she holds some office of deacon. Matter of fact, that, that kind of developed even a little more in church history of what that actually formally looked like. But he's saying, he says, it, it ain't about leadership role. It's about worthy of the saints. He says, I want you to welcome her in a manner worthy that's fitting in both you being in the body of Christ and she being your sister in the body of Christ. Welcome her as family. And assist her. I like to characterize this as Christian love and support. Now, scholars do debate. Was Phoebe there like on business? Was she leave? Was she moving there? Was she there to do some work because she had means and, and business and people under her because all, all the stuff that she was, you know, called as, as a patron and what she's doing? We don't know exactly why she was there. What we do know is the Apostle Paul says, hey, whatever she need help with, y'all help her out. She's a sister. She's faithful. Y'all show Christian love and support because that's what we do for each other. With Phoebe's example here, I'm going to ask you a question. Can people speak this way of you? Can people speak this way of your faithfulness, of your diligence, of your commitment? Can people put their name on you in this way? Because this is important when it comes to the love we share and the, the trust we have in the body of Christ. It's vitally important. You know, early on I said, you know, when you, you have somebody that's like family, I want you to think about when you meet somebody. You were growing up and you met somebody and they were a total stranger, total stranger. And you got to know them and y'all became cool. And all of a sudden they moved from y'all being cool to like when I grew up, he's called that's my ace. Like that's 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 my some people used to say my day one. I don't know what they say now, you know, but it's like that's that's my best friend, you know. Like my, this is my role dog. This is who I'm with. This is a friend. And then that person moved from even that place to where y'all introduce each other as brother or sister. It's family. I got people I refer to like that and it confuse people sometimes. They like. They see me, Paul, I say, my, man, my, man, my brother did this. They're like, I, I, I didn't know you had another brother. Well, well he, he, actually, he is a brother. He's my brother in Christ. And we had that kind of relationship. This verified faithfulness is important because it helps us understand how we relate to one another, how we treat one another, but also serves as an example of how we ought to live out our faith. 
Phoebe maximized in living out her faith. She was a committed woman of God. And what God called her to do, she did. And she did well enough where the Holy Spirit inspired Apostle Paul spoke this way of her. What she had in her hands, she used to the glory of God. The abilities and capabilities she had to travel, she used to the glory of God. And she delivered one of the most important epistles of the New Testament itself. God used this woman of God in a marvelous, magnanimous way. And I'm so glad that she is spoken of in the scriptures. So her testimony can motivate us. That her testimony and her witness for Christ can stir something up in us for us to look at ourselves and say, Lord, what would you have me do? Yeah, I may not have that gift or that ability. I may not be able to do this, but Lord, what would you have me do with what I have? And we give that to him. And may your faithfulness ring into eternity that others may come to know Christ through your commitment to him. And I pray this for you and I pray this for me. May we be consistent. Verify faithfulness. Thank you for listening to Point with Daryl Jones. This was just one part from the series, Ordinary People, Extraordinary Experiences, where we learn how God uses everyday normal people to accomplish amazing things for the kingdom of God. If this ministry has blessed you and you would like to partner with Point Ministries, please visit daryljones.org. That's D-A-R-Y-L jones.org. Your financial generosity keeps us on the air and we are grateful for your faithfulness. And remember, keep making Jesus the point.